Welcome to Close the Door and Come Here, a Song of Ice and Fire podcast with heavy leanings towards our two favorite characters, Jamie and Brienne. everyone i'm guile and i tweet at door podcast and i'm joined today by chicky hey i am chicky i'm at the chicken on twitter and devin hey this is devin gd harpo on twitter and clotho hi i'm clotho you can find me at clotho spindle on twitter and today we're covering sansa's sixth chapter from a game of thrones um standard trigger warnings for potential discussions of rape and violence um we open up this chapter as Sansa is trying to deal with the aftermath of Ned's execution. And she's basically spending as much time in bed as she can with the curtains drawn. And, you know, sometimes she dreams of better times in Winterfell, but then sometimes she relives the terrible moment of Ned's death. And there's a a short little passage. Um, Sometimes her sleep was leaden and dreamless and she woke from it more tired than when she had closed her eyes. Yet those were the best times, for when she dreamed, she dreamed a father. Waking or sleeping, she saw him, saw the gold cloaks fling him down, saw Sir Illyn striding forward, unsheathing ice from the scabbard on his back, saw the moment, the moment when she had wanted to look away. She had wanted to. Her legs had gone out from under, under her, and she had fallen to her knees, yet somehow she could not turn her head. And all the people were screaming and shouting, and a prince had smiled at her. He'd smiled, and she'd felt safe but only for a heartbeat until he said those words and her father's legs. That's what she remembered his legs, the way they jerked when Sir Ellen went the sword. So that's, that's uh, what Arya got to not see. And Sansa unfortunately had to see with Ned's execution. God, can you imagine at 11? Never no. <laughs> like the legs twitching. Oh, that just, yeah. Oh God. <sighs> Like it's, yeah. So, you know, not surprisingly, Sansa's thinking of throwing herself out her window. And, you know, she thinks about the songs they'll sing of her grief and her innocence, um, but she can't bring herself to do it. But at the same time, she's absolutely terrified that um, the gold cloaks or Joffrey or someone's going to come and kill her. And she you know, keeps imagining hearing the steps to her door. And she's just, you know, she's absolutely terrified. Well, yeah, I mean, you can understand why. I mean, you know, it's not just seeing her dad killed in front of her. I'm sure it's hearing the crowd and knowing that, you know, no one could stop Joffrey. And um, she just understands how completely helpless she is where she's at. I mean, like, she has no one. Right. Well, she thinks she has no one. Yeah. She thinks she has no Well, I mean, in many ways, she does have no one. So, you know, finally it's Joffrey who, who comes to her door and he, ha- he's with um, Sir Mern Trant and Aries Oakheart and the Hound. And he has the Hound pull her out of bed and demand that she attend him at court that day, you know, looking her best. And Sansa begs him to just let her go home. But instead he tells her that, you know, he, his mom says he still should marry her. And she's basically incredulous. Um, you know, this is the boy who killed her father after promising her mercy for him. And, you know, Joffrey tries to spin it that, you know, by just beheading Ned, that was a kindness compared to what he could have done. And, you know, I guess knowing Joffrey, that's probably not wrong. But, um, 
oh, you know, God. not what Sansa certainly wants to hear. And, you know, Sansa, Sansa tells him that she hates him. And, you know, Joffrey very, you know, kind of, it's almost like he's reciting these things. You know, he says that Cersei told him a king shouldn't strike his wife. So he just has Merntrant do it instead. And, you know, he hits her hard enough that she falls to the floor and there's, you know, blood on his white silk gloves. So, I mean, this is a, this is a big hit. Okay, everyone, the next time that I, I am reading A Storm of Swords and I start to feel bad about Joffrey's death because he's so young and, you know, it is sad in a way. Someone reminded me of this chapter so well, that I just could re- stop feeling it, so re- bad. Is it re- sad in a way? <laughs> I mean... I mean, I think it's amazing that Sansa cries for him, you know, like Sansa actually after the purple wedding. And I mean, maybe some of it's relief and may, you know, but I mean, she gives a moment to think of him, which is probably more than his own father does. But Oh, Jamie. Um, So as they leave, um, Sander, you know, just tells her to spare herself some pain and just give Joffrey what what he wants. And Sansa's, you know, what does he want? Tell me. And you know, there's a short passage. He wants you to smile and smell sweet and be his lady love, the hound rasped. He wants to hear you recite all your pretty little words the way the Septa taught you. He wants you to love him and fear him. Um, so, you know, Sansa takes the hound's advice to heart. And she has her maid draw a bath. And she puts on this green dress that she wore to the tourney back, you know, back earlier in the book um, kind of hope, you know, she remembers that Joffrey was nice to her that night and hopes that by wearing the dress, it'll make him remember that basically and be nice to her. Like she's terrified, you know, she definitely has the fearing him part down pat. Um, Sir Murin comes to fetch her and, you know, they have this little thing where he, you know, is like, oh, are you, are you going to disobey me? And, you know, she tells him, you know, she tells him he's no true knight and thinks about how the hound would have laughed at that. And, you know, Sermurin does nothing because he doesn't give a shit. Like, she's not only in danger, but she's kind of a nothing to these people. Yeah, that's and 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 that is so well conveyed, too. I mean, it's like, you know, Marin just like, oh, I'm just the king's weapon. So, you know, I don't have any moral responsibility right. for what I do. And I don't have to think about what's right or wrong. Well, it's it's very, just, there's just a, the, yeah, just following orders. And, you know, it's interesting yeah. that in that first scene, we have Ares Elkhart in there. And, you know, later we're meant to see him as, you know, one of the good king's guard. But, you know, he also was just standing there why, while a king's guard, you know, which are supposed, you know, these highly skilled fully grown men protecting the king beat up an 11 year old girl you know like that's that's the king's guard at this point so yeah it's you know they're pretty disgusting and you know so speaking of disgusting the next scene we get joffrey um dispensing you know justice and, and sansa's watching and you know it's just it's so joffrey like there's a woman who begs her her lover has been killed and beheaded and she begs for his head so she can give him a proper burial. And, and Joffrey decides she must be a traitor, too, and has her taken off. Um, two men have a dispute over land, and Joffrey orders them to fight a duel to the death the next day. Then there's the singer that comes in with a song about Robert's death, and it's kind of this allegory where Cersei is kind of in the boar's role. And Joffrey just tells him he has a day to decide between losing his hand, his hand or, or his tongue. So, you know, he's 
doing a great job so far. I mean, he's just such a little sadist here. Yeah. You know, he's he is. It's like earlier with Sansa. It's like when Ned was beheaded. Uh, Joffrey is entertained by cruelty. Yeah. And it is so disgusting. Yeah, he is, he is horrible. Um, there is one point she notices Jano Slint, though, and I, I just, I liked that the seed was planted. Um, you know, it says, uh, Sansa stared at his hard, at, stared hard at his ugly face, remembering how he had thrown down her father for Sir Ilan to behead, wishing she could hurt him, wishing that some hero would throw him down and cut off his head. But a voice inside her whispered, there are no heroes. So I just thought that was kind of a little, um, you know, when we talk about the story being fairly tight for, uh, you know, fairly tight for these first three books. I mean, this is a little tiny sentence that gets a really great payoff, you know, near the end of A Storm of Swords. And it just, I would love, I would love it if there were those tiny seeds in A Feast, for example, that would be paid off. But I just, I mean, I I would have a hard time believing that's possible at this point, but I love that it happens here. Uh, yeah, this is this, this is one of the great uh, payoffs. Isn't there some lore about the fact that initially George actually was going to have John hang him? I think an earlier oh. version of John's chapter had John actually hanging him. Oh, and, really? And, was supposed to hang yeah. him. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, oh, okay. yeah and, and somehow George kind of managed to call this back. Just want to say, you know, I don't think that this means that John and Sansa are are, are going to be hooked together romantically later in the books. No, I know I just, yeah. no, no, no. get that. This oh, moment. Okay. I do not uh, oh, subscribe gosh. to that theory. I just want to note that, even though it is a very cool callback. Well, if you you know, if John you think that, is my least favorite ship. Yeah, but I mean, if we do think yeah, that Sansa's gonna, if Sansa's gonna have some power later on, you know, if somehow she's gonna actually have power. There's a few things that, you know, we see her kind of, we see her softening her thoughts towards John. And, you know, if they're going to, if that alliance between the two of them, not a romantic alliance, is important, you know, maybe this is also seeding that, too. Or if she's, I mean, you know, I mean, is it an alliance? They're just fucking family. I mean, you know, like, yeah. even though clearly, you know, of the Stark siblings, John and Sansa are clearly... Um, the uh, the uh, you know the, the the furthest apart from one another. Um, that doesn't mean that they're not still siblings. You know, John is is very loyal to to Sansa, and before he knows that you know fake Arya is alive, um, you know he's like Sansa's the one who should have Winterfell. Um, he he's very loyal to her, and she's loyal to him when she you know remembers that he exists. Yeah. She doesn't think about him a lot because he doesn't quite rank in the group of of main siblings to her, just kind of because of the way that Cat you know, raised her to think about it. So after um, business hours are over at court, Joffrey meets Sansa at the bottom of, of the steps she had been watching from a balcony. And, you know, they have this little conversation and she keeps calling him my Lord instead of your grace. And, you know, Joffrey is, you know, says how stupid she is and that Cersei is worried that they'll have stupid children. And, you know, Joffrey has this lovely moment where he's like, well, if, you know, if our first son is stupid, I'll just kill you and marry someone smarter. Just, uh, so yeah joffrey so he's you know you, know, you can forget awful. you can forget what a absolute you know you just kind of think about him being kind of a little shit and you forget how just horrible he can actually absolutely be absolutely evil power. Yeah. evil yeah yeah 
So, you know, continuing his evil trend here, he takes Sansa up to the battlements and, you know, Sansa realizes what he's going to do. And she resists for a moment. And then, you know, Joffrey threatens her and the Hound kind of encourages her to just get on with it. So she takes Joffrey's hands and there's this nice passage um, that I'm just going to, a passage I'm going to read. She forced herself to take King Joffrey's hand. The climb was something out of a nightmare. Every step was a struggle, as if she were pulling her feet out of ankle-deep mud, and there were more steps than she would have believed. A thousand, thousand steps, and horror waiting on the ramparts. From the high battlements of the gatehouse, the whole world spread out below them. Sansa could see the great sept of Baylor on Visenya's hill, where her father had died. At the other end of the street of the sisters stood the fire-blackened ruins of the dragon pit. To the west, the swollen red sun was half-hidden behind the gates of the gods. The salt sea was at her back, and to the south, south was the fish market and the docks and the swirling torrent of the Blackwater Rush, and to the north. She turned that way and saw only the city streets and alleys, and hills and bottoms, and more streets and more alleys, and the stone of distant walls. Yet she knew that beyond them was open country, farms and fields and forests, and beyond that, north and north and north again stood Winterfell. So that's just like, like I, I don't know, I picture that really you know it's obviously very vividly written which is why i picture it very vividly in my head but just you know that like longing and you know aria had the you know aria kind of had a similar moment in her chapter and with ned's death too like that longing of these kids for um you know for the north and what a prison king's landing is for them yeah um so Joffrey's pissed that she's looking there rather than, you know, the whore that he wants her to see. And she thinks, you know, he can make me look at the heads, she told herself, but he can't make me see them, which um, I was just, this is like the dumbest thing that I was thinking. This is what it feels like at the doctor's office when they weigh you. <laughs> he can make me look. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, good times. <laughs> You know, it's a pretty sad chapter, so I kind of had to like lighten it for myself in my in my brain. Um, speaking of brains, Ned's head has been dipped in tar to help preserve oh. it, but it doesn't really look like him, and and neither does Septim Ordain's head that Joffrey also forces Sansa to look at. And you know, she I think you know it doesn't look like him or her, and so she starts to be able to to cope with it. And you know, literally while they're while he's forcing her to look at the severed heads of her loved ones, um, Joffrey is like, well, what are you going to get me for my birthday? Oh. Which, I, like, a uh, fist sandwich? I don't, you know, like, just, he's so awful. And, you know, then he thinks, you know, he tells her, oh, maybe I'll get you a present instead. I'll, I'll bring you your brother's head. Mm. And, you know, Sansa has that moment that we all, you know, we all fist pump for. Um, you know, she just kind of blurts out, maybe my brother will give me your head. And I mean, I'm assuming that everyone reading this chapter is like, yes, <laughs> at this yes. point. And I also assume that everyone reading this book for the first time was thinking like, this is what's going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> Rob's going to come down there and like chop this little <laughs> shit's head off. Right. Oh, like, God. I just, you know, it reminds me of in the princess bride and the movie where, you know, the little kid is, you know, who gets humperdink? Who's, you know, like just, you're so used to that narrative of the good guy killing the bad guy. And, you know, we're dying for that at this point since, you know, nothing seemingly that bad has happened to the bad guys in this book. Um, 
so, you know, Joffrey scowls at, at Sansa's answer here and has Sir Murren hit her again. But he's standing on the wall walk and there's a like a he's protected on one side, but on the other side, it's just a drop, like a 60 or 70 foot drop. And, you know, Sansa is like, I could just push him. I could just push him. And I don't care if I go with him, too. I could just do it. And, you know, she's going to do it. Like, I think she's going to do it. But then the hound kneels between her and Joffrey and wipes the blood from her face. And, you know, kind of the moment passes and the chapter ends with she was a good girl and always remembered her courtesies. And just. Uh, yeah, no, you love that moment where she's just like, okay, I have nothing to lose. I can just, you know, take him with me. And, and you know, I mean, for a, it's just like all of the kids. It's Arya and Bran and Rickon. They're so young and to be in this position that is so horrific where they just do not have good options and... You know, they don't really know what to do and they're trying their best to do what they can. I mean, poor little Sansa. Just imagine. I mean, I can't like the horror on top of horror to have to go look at your dad's severed head is just when we already, you know, the when the chapter doing. starts yeah. with like her trauma about about seeing it in the first place, you know, uh, and yeah. then, he takes out of the room for that. That's horrible. Yeah. Yeah, and and like that, and her wanting—I mean, starting the chapter with her wanting to kill herself like that—that's mm. why I was so glad that she didn't give him the satisfaction, and was able to what did she say? Look and not see. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which I just thought about as a reverse of what Arya does: look with your eyes or whatever it is. Mm. Um, yeah. And for anyone who doesn't have the illustrated version, I would look up the illustration of the Hound kneeling. Um, because it does have what I take to be Ned and Septim Ordain's heads there. Um, but it's a very good illustration. Um, Joffrey's not in it. Um, so you don't have to see that. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, but there it are looking at it, heads. So but there right. are severed heads. Yes. Um, and what I, um, what it made me think was given how hard like Marion Trent hit her the first time, like in the room that she fell back, like, could he not have knocked her off this? That's like true. Where, where they seem to be standing. Yeah. That seems dangerous, yeah. But yeah, it is that, a very ugh. good illustration. Particularly of the hound. It's really good. It's the burn side of his face. Oh, yeah. And, I see it now. I found it. And I mean, nice. you know, I think I maybe somewhat flippantly have stated that, you know, the hound is definitely is sort of on Sansa's side. And I don't know that he is or that he knows that he is yet. And there's no reason necessarily for Sansa to think that. So, I mean, I think she, you know, reasonably thinks she's completely, you know, completely alone. And, you know, again, even if she thought the Hound was her ally, her ally is, like, this 25-year-old, like, crazy dude. Like, I mean, yeah. that's, a gen- like, that's being a very yeah, generous description. And, I mean, <laughs> and if you really want to step up and do something here, push Joffrey and Marion Tran off. You can, you can easily kill both of them. <laughs> and you and Sansa can go. <laughs> like, that's Damn. very much they easily going to happen. Yeah, that would have been an amazing they the girl got away. I don't know what happened. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah. yes, eventually Sander will uh, in his way protect Sansa. But I mean, does he even have her best interest at heart all the time? We don't really know that for sure. Um, even to this day, we don't entirely completely know that. And, um, you know, this this will be a theme with Sansa. She has learned now you don't trust anybody. Like yeah. 
you don't trust anybody that you didn't already know before you got to King's Landing. You could trust them. That's what she has learned. Well, and she I mean, will just cling to that. She trusts Danto. She trusts Littlefinger. She does trust well, Dantos and Littlefinger. But Littlefinger, because she thinks, you know, that he was her mom's, you know, foster brother or whatever. Yeah. And Dantos, because she thinks she saved him and that yeah. he is grateful to her. And those are things that she understands. But anybody in these positions of power who is faithful to the Lannisters or in other ways, you know, obviously working against her, her family, she is not going to trust them. And for good reason. And this will be true with Tyrion. I mean, you know, people are like, oh, she should trust Tyrion. It's like, look what she's just been through and tell me she should trust Tyrion. Like, no, she's not trusting any of these people. Yeah, I mean, you know. Of all of her, you know, it's unfortunate. Like, her best option eventually is, you know, the Tyrells, and that's taken away from her. And, you know, then... Well, she shouldn't fucking trust them either. Right. No, (laughs) she shouldn't have. But if she would have made it to Highgarden and and they married her to Willis, I mean, she would have been fine. Like, that accomplished everything that was needed. And she would have been out of danger. And, you know, Willis seems... When the that puppies. Did, they literally <laughs> yeah, threw her to the lions. Oh, right. No, I mean, they framed her for murder. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. you know, in the nicest way possible, I guess. But they did, <laughs> like, literally put the murder weapon <sighs> on her body. So, I mean, you know, she was, like, super framed. Yeah, I mean, it's... Anyone who thinks... It's just, you know, there's that whole Sansa versus Arya rivalry. And it's just, you know, you kind of want anyone who thinks that Sansa was just, like, passive and accepting these like read this chapter and you tell me where there's a passive like there's not a passive person in here there's a person who's fighting back and surviving with the only options that they're given you know like even though she i mean when she says you know maybe my brother will bring me your head she knows what's going to happen and she yeah does it well, anyway. that's it this is her skill set too i mean yeah. when you compare sansa and Arya, you have to go they have different skill sets Arya does not have this skill set. <laughs> not even close. I mean, Arya would have pushed him off, but Arya never would have made, you know, Arya would have been dead like six times. Arya would have died. Yeah. Immediately. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, they're just, yeah, they're, they're different girls who are, you know, different girls who are dealing with this the best way that they can. Um, any other thoughts on this, on this happy chapter? <laughs> Um, I did have one that Fucking I just thought job. about while we were talking Chill. about it. Oh my god! Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, so, I lost my, no, here it is. Um, so I guess this is because we just did Arya's chapter a little bit ago, but like them being so close and yet so far away from one another, which would have been better? And I think the obvious answer is that if they were like they're both together, but would it have been better for them to be outside of like an Arya situation together or in Sansa's situation together? Mm-hmm. And I definitely think Arya's situation, just yeah. because they're not with um I, Cersei, yes, Joffrey, and everybody was, else yeah. in the Red Keep. It's yeah. just hard to think that Sansa could do anything to protect Arya, because it's like mm-hmm. Arya's oh. mouth that's gonna do her in, you know? Whereas Arya could, and you know, Sansa, it's not like Sansa's incapable of, you know, surviving. It's just, you know, like I think she could carry her own weight more in Arya's world than vice yeah. versa. Yeah. Well, and I mean, like, look what we just saw with Joffrey with that court. Arya probably wouldn't even need to do anything new for Joffrey to just kill yeah. him. Yeah. You know, yeah. Joffrey right. could have just trotted her out if she'd oh, been taken prisoner he, and said, before, hey, yeah. you. 
yeah, yeah, you're, you and your wolf attacked me, yeah. you know, off with her head. And that would have been the end of Arya, yeah. I, you know. Yeah. To even expect Joffrey to tolerate Arya for a minute is a lot. I no, think. I mean, there's no chance. <laughs> um, did we have any questions on this chapter? Yes, we do. We have um, a couple questions here. So our first one from Ancient Octagon on Reddit. Um, do you think the Hound is going to leave the Quiet Owl, assuming his, he's the Gravedigger, which seems likely? Um, I do think he'll leave the Quiet Owl, but I, I never like that he goes through the tra- transformation that he we think he goes through on the, on the Quiet Owl as the Gravedigger, and then he still wants to kill his brother. I'd never like that. So I don't think that's why he's going to leave, but I do think he leaves the Quiet Owl. Because if, if he's the Gravedigger, why bring him back if he doesn't yeah. leave at some point yeah. i mean i really hope that he's part of this tourney at the veil or that he heads to the veil and it's not i mean i find san santa fat you know like i find that relationship fascinating i don't know that i ship it per se but i i want more of that like i like that i like that and yeah give me more put him in the veil put him in you know put him in with you know Obviously, like, duh. Obviously, like, my whole jam is anyone in the Riverlands that might potentially be going to the Vale. So, <laughs> put Sand, you know, put Sander on that trip too. Or the Marrier. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I definitely think he's leaving the Quiet Isle. I know there's this whole theory in fandom that, well, it's an old theory that you know he would just stay um, on the Quiet Isle, and it was just, you know just George implying that sometimes people just kind of slip away and they, and they, you know, get a little bit of a happy ending or whatever. And I'm like, no, 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 you don't, you don't, you don't let us know that he didn't die and tell us where he is for him not to pop back into the story. And I think, I think the show game of Thrones pretty much proved that that is true. Um, Their storyline, they don't, you know, they don't have the chops to put that together on their own. He definitely is, is going to re-enter the the fray somewhere. I mean, you know, there are a lot of theories that he might be the champion of the faith who who fights Ungregor. I we who knows who knows who knows what what it will be that he does. Clegane Bull that that Devin doesn't want. Um, uh, who knows? I never liked that. <laughs> I mean, I would love it if he popped up in the veil. That would be great. I mean, I'd also like I still kind of hold out hope that Arya is part of the, you know, part of the entertainment at Red Wedding 2.0. And, you know, Sanders there for some reason. Like, I think yeah. there's lots of awesome places he could pop up. But, yeah, I'm rooting for the veil. All right. Our um, next from Buck O'Hare on Discord. Um, so what about everyone's favorite character, Marion Tramp? <laughs> what a guy. <laughs> um, <laughs> why does everyone expect more of Sansa? <laughs> this is all so traumatic. Yeah. So, I mean, questions that we really answered (laughs) within the episode. Yeah, I mean, the Kingsguard is just, like, of all of the things that Jaime does, you know, his kind of tearing, his tearing down of the Kingsguard and, you know, giving them new rules of engagement. Not necessarily if they're all going to follow it, but, I mean, that is an underrated thing that Jaime does. Because these pieces of shit, like... Are under Barris, these guys were under Barristan Selmy. So, like, this is what he's teaching them. Like, I'm sorry, I'm going to rip on Barristan Selmy, but not a fan. But, yeah, I mean, like, this is your staff and your staff, even your quote-unquote best one, which is apparently, you know, Aries Oakheart. Even your best guy are, like, just beating the crap out of 11-year-old girls. Like, this is your team? This is on, you know, this is on him. 
Sorry, I really don't. Yeah, I agree. Tell me apparently. No, 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 no. I, I know you don't. I mean, <laughs> it, it is it is somewhat on him, but of course he's gone at this point. Um, he probably would have put up with it. Um, you know, the funny thing is, and, and we talked about this with like you know Janice Slint, where eventually you know five books later, John's going to chop off his head for Sansa. I mean. In a weird way, it's Jamie who avenges Sansa for this 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 smacking around that she's getting by the Kingsguard here. Jamie's the one who puts an end to it, oddly enough. Um Marin Trant, it's hard to separate how how far they went with the show version, but you know, he's clearly like who who was it, Guile during, you know, when we were talking about it here, was just like he's one of these guys who just fucking follows orders and doesn't yeah. use his brain or his own morals to you know shape his actions when he can you know pass the buck of well someone else ordered me to do it so it's not really me i'm just a weapon here or something and he's fine with it he's just fine being that and so is everyone else in the king's guard from what we can see i mean of all of the king's guard who's the only one who like you know <laughs> it really intervenes to try to help sansa not have this happen it's sander of all people you know you know who's um, pointedly not a knight yeah yeah and, you know, it's and like, it, oh, go ahead. Well, I was just saying, this always makes me think about how far and how quickly the Kingsguard fell. Because, I mean, pre-Robert, what'd you have? Gerald Hightower, um, what, Oswell went, Arthur Dane, and um, Jamie, which, I mean, he does kill Ares, but, I mean, he had to. Um, but, I mean, you have such better Kingsguard, and even going back to... Um, like a hedge knight, like those days. And they yeah, yeah, all put over there. So actually, they're not Everybody's like, oh, Arthur Dane, and I'm like, no, Arthur Dane fucking sat there and let Eris, you know, rape his wife, and and do this shit to other people. I mean, he was doing this stuff for years and years before everything finally ended. I mean, Jamie was quite literally taught by all of these legends and he still thinks of them as legends oddly enough but he was taught by them to accept this that the king gets I mean, to do whatever he wants isn't it barristan that tells him not from her it's like we're supposed to protect when jamie says we're supposed to protect either him you know, or protect high, him i think it might be hightower gerald hightower hightower yeah. yes it's hightower but either way still but they all were doing it this is the thing none none of that seven were stopping any of the shit that eris was doing I mean, you've got poor Jamie learning to dissociate at 15 because of the shit Eris is doing. Yeah, I mean, the King's, it, again, like, that act of Jamie's is really an, un, I mean, you know, who, it's a very underrated thing. And, I mean, who knows if future Kingsguard, as long as, you know, given they're probably not even going to exist very long. But just, you know, he's <laughs> the only person questioning this bullshit. And that's a big deal to me. It is to me, too, and, and how he doesn't get credit for it when all of these, you know, legends that fandom will go down defending as oh. honorable and great just stood by and let let this shit happen, you know? Right, and it's Come like on. he didn't, st- you know, Jamie is the one who didn't stand by eventually, but then also once he had the power, changed the rules, you know, explicitly yep. changed the rules of the game. Like, that yep. is, it's not just, you know, oh, he felt bad about it. Like, no, he freaking did something about it. And, you know, that should be very praised. I love that. You the agree. dogs, the dogs are great. <laughs> yes, agrees. Yes, agree. absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> she, you know, she's 
she's my shaggy dog. So she, you know, <laughs> understands my emotions, I guess. There we go. Um, did we have any more questions? Oh, yes. We have one more from uh, Wax Paper Door on Discord. Um, I know you'll probably do it anyway, but if you guys could remind everybody that Sansa is 11. 11. <laughs> years old yes <laughs> and call we out did. the misogyny yes. and the larger fandom which blames sansa for Ned's death. that would be sweet which we do and we have i mean just about every sansa episode we do like is i i don't understand fandoms hate for sansa outside of it being misogyny like i, I do not get it like i don't it's, think she has to be your favorite character but i think that to pretend that she's you know responsible for things that she's absolutely not is ridiculous i know especially in this oh book, exactly like, you know the crew of people exactly yes the book hands us is like not you know she how many people are so far 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 worse who are like adults like yeah there's no comparison well, yeah. that's it i mean sansa fucks up sometimes she does yeah, especially in the perfect, first book yeah. george george writes her as the black sheep of the stark family there's no question he puts as, her in that position but it is not it is not a an an un, a, you know a, a position that you can't identify with or that doesn't make complete sense in most of her circumstances and i mean what are her greatest crimes like trusting someone that she shouldn't or or you know being a a kid and wanting yeah, things exactly. that she's always dreamt of. I mean, like, what what exactly what exactly are we accusing her of? I mean, she's not a mastermind. She didn't set out to get Ned killed or anything right. like that. Yeah, she's like not minor issues in the great scheme of Game of Thrones. These are like minor right. minor concerns. We just talked so about minor. Joffrey doing, you know, Joffrey, who's yeah. like thirteen, doing all of this. And it's like hard to condemn Sansa oh, for, you know, God. being a good person and yeah, trying I just hard. Don't know. Yeah, I don't know how you finish this first book and have any ill will or anything towards Sansa. Like, I, I just do not get it. No, yeah. and and the thing that the the thing that so many people miss with George's characters is George lets his characters fuck up. Yeah, they all fucking fuck up. They all do things they shouldn't fucking do. Every single goddamn one of them. And if you're like super standing one for fucking up a little bit, um, and and then you're mad at someone like Sansa an 11 year old for trusting people who let's be frank, she was taught to trust and yeah. told she ought to trust yeah, until the toward adults. the end. Yeah. I mean, like, mm. come on. Like she, she, she had no idea what would happen because of that. And besides which she is just a tiny cog in what got Ned killed. I mean, like if you want to, if you want to like lay out the diagram of how Ned ended up dead, I mean, right. Sansa's like this little 0.5% of it. I, I mean, mean, the person on. who got Ned Very killed small. is is Ned and Ned. 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 Yeah. Ned got Ned killed. <laughs> right. Ned and got absolutely. Ned killed. Yeah. yeah. And no one seems to be hating Ned for his, you know, terrible crime of getting Ned killed. No. <laughs> Damn that Ned. <laughs> I mean, Joffrey killed Ned, but you know what I mean? I mean, like, right. come on. If, if, if we're talking about the fuck ups that leave to Ned, to lead to Ned's death, Ned is responsible for the majority of those. Oh yeah. Yeah, I mean, Sansa, yeah, I mean, absolutely. Uh, yeah, we're the same. I mean, I think we're we're the Sansa defense squad. And I mean, I think they're absolutely right that it's that she's a girl and she's a girl who doesn't who does and likes, you know, traditionally female things. You know, she so therefore she's, you know, worse than Arya, who likes traditionally, you know, more male things. So, yeah, you know, it's it's 
you can't convince me that it's not 90% that, if not a higher percentage. So we got to get our heads out of our asses, collective readers here. And yeah. (laughs) Wow. So I love that we had this passion about um, the fandom and Barris and Selmy. Okay, just my my little my I gotta throw in my little thing. I still like Barristan. I don't hate Barristan as much as most of fandom. Well, and I I realize that I'm on the far edge of fandom in my Barristan hatred, and it's mostly just (laughs) a reaction to the defense of it's it's in relationship to Jamie. So as Jamie gets more shit, I feel the need to denigrate (laughs) Barristan more. Like it's 100 percent that. I will, you know, readily admit that if I I get it, if I I can bring Jamie up by putting Barristan down, I absolutely will. Then so be it. That's the way it has to be. Yeah. Sorry, Barristan. Not sorry. Not sorry. Um, Was that it for the questions then? Yes, that was all the mail. All right. Well, if you want to ask questions and provoke and provoke us, which is awesome, um, you can reach us at close the door and at gmail.com. You can find us at door podcast on Twitter, close the door and come here on Tumblr. Um, or reach us on the Jamie Brienne subreddit on Reddit, oddly enough. Um, you can support us on Patreon at Close the Door and Come Here. And you can find us on Podbean, on iTunes, Stitchers, anywhere you find your favorite podcasts. And with that, I am closing the door. Get out.